0: Business Tech Weekly, podcast episode number 17. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Business Tech Weekly. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Emily Trot. And we have a special episode for you guys this week. Yet another interview with somebody who really knows what it means to do business online and use the technology of social networking, social media. And I'm going to let Andy tell you a little bit about that right after this music. Andy, you want to introduce our special guest today. And uh, before you do that, explain to people a little bit about what's going on with our audio in this episode.
1: Yeah, well, we're uh, we're international today, so we've, uh, we've got Mitch Joel um, of Twist Image, and he is in. You're in Montreal today, correct? I am. Yeah, and I am in Denver. Uh, my my business coach and I, uh, Justin Lucas Savage, we're we're in the Denver Library, uh, trying to be quiet. We're by an atrium, so um, we are. Uh, we're using our tax dollars today, so that's the reason. Of course, Cliff is in studio and sounds. So clear. So thanks, Cliff.
0: Here, welcome on my high LPR forty. So,
1: <laughs> anyway, which in- you can purchase by going to GS. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Exactly. So, so Andy, tell us who our guest is today. I'm excited about talking with him.
1: Well, you should be. He's a smart guy. Uh, Mitch, Mitch, I'll, I'll flatter you for a few minutes. So sit back and enjoy the show. Um, I uh, I first stumbled upon uh, Mitch's book by just doing some searching on Amazon. And within two weeks, had purchased over 20 copies uh, for folks who were going to a class uh, that I was teaching. And the book is called Six Pixels of Separation. And the book, as I understood after reading it and uh, hearing Mitch talk about it in a few other shows and interviews he did, is really for those who want to understand, uh, really, if they have no knowledge or even if they have a sense of knowledge, but really understand how you can, uh, where the conversation is happening, and then how your business can can and should become part of the conversation as it relates to social media. Yeah. And Mitch just does a great job of making it really clear uh, as to what the tools are and why businesses should be using them. And uh, obviously he does it for a living, helping um, businesses succeed and, and corporations even. Uh, Mitch, I was on uh, your site this week, and, and I see you guys have done work with Coca-Cola and um, you know, really large corporations like that. And so, um, and he's built, he built a business around it, which is TwistImage.com. Um, I really enjoy uh, reading Mitch's blog. Uh, he's not a blogger for the sake of blogging. All of his posts are very well thought out, well written. And, um, you know, they just he posts when he has something important to say. And, uh, and so Mitch just thanks for, thanks for giving me a resource or creating a resource that i can use in my business to help other people understand social media and, and most of all thanks for making yourself available to, to be on business tech weekly today
2: well i appreciate it. i'm a fan of, of both of you guys so it's uh, let's just have a fun conversation
0: absolutely yeah now mitch y- you started out um y- you went to school you wanted to be a writer is that correct
2: yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, when I was 16 or 17, I actually started uh, professionally writing. My first job was in like 19. Remember, and I um, I actually interviewed Tommy Lee from Motley Crue and, and for, for music magazine and became a journalist shortly thereafter and spent uh, all my years doing it. And so I, used to, I always say like today's day and age, I say, you know, I used to be a journalist. But the truth is, I still actually have a newspaper column every two weeks in the Montreal Gazette and Vancouver Sun syndicated, and I write a column for Audre, which is uh, the number one in-flight magazine uh, as well. So I still sort of am a journalist, I guess, and I, I still definitely am a writer, and I'm passionate about words, and it's uh, it definitely is one of those things that I would equate with uh, in the question of who are you. Writer would be one of those words.
0: Excellent. And tell me, how is it that you got into social media for the first time and and what was the experience like and how how did you actually build a business around this
2: The first time I really engaged in social media I think was when uh, the BBS I was logging on to from my 24k modem connected like connected to someone else <laughs> Back in, back in the mid-'80s. I mean, that was really, to me, social media. Uh, the, the fact that I could use a media platform channel to connect to other people and have conversations and go back and forth well, I, uh, just absolutely blew me away. I think in the past couple of years, we've sort of dumped it into this idea of social media because of blogs and Twitter and podcasts and, and so forth. But, you know, the real sort of thing that made the internet interesting was the social character of it. And so I think you know where we're at is simply a day and age where the platforms are a lot easier and more commonplace. We have connectivity and access. Uh, it's been commercialized. So there are brands engaged in it. And so it's always been a thing for me. I mean if I look back to my early professional sort of trajectory if you look there it's always the component of the internet or technology or marketing communications in there. And so You know, being one of four business partners here at Twist Image, and we have 100 employees with offices in Montreal and Toronto, um, it's a real sort of comfortable place. A lot of people at this time of year think, you know, how's next year going to be different? And how are you going to change things up? And to be honest, I'm happy if I don't change things up. I'll be happy to have another year like the one I had last year or the year before. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be in a sweet spot in terms of personal. Uh, doing what I love and I mean, you know, great, great family support office and a great community around that. So uh, it, it's always been a part of me, this thing, and, and I think that these platforms just allow me to do stuff like this more, which is you know, become friends with more people and connect more with similar others.
0: Now, one of the things that I've been doing over the last the course of the last four years, and I've been doing it full-time for two years now, is helping small solopreneurs and small businesses Enter the space of uh, social media, and and it's been a little bit. It's been kind of easy for me because I don't really have to go through a lot of red tape to get things approved through legal and all this other stuff. These people are a lot. I mean, they're they're risk takers in and of themselves for just launching out and starting a business, and um, you know they're able to to test the waters of social networking, social media, <laughs> podcasting, and stuff like that. When you're working with a corporation like Coca-Cola and Pfizer and stuff like that what do those initial conversations look and sound like when it comes to introducing social media into the picture
2: i think it's important just to sort of be transparent a twist image and what i do is digital marketing so anything you would get from a traditional advertising agency we do but only in the digital channels the web mobile etc and for me social media is a component of it but not the be all and So a lot of times when we're engaged some of the brands you mentioned and some other brands, we're doing full digital marketing services. It could be everything from strategy to, to big website development to microsites, contesting, and promotion. That all being said, people sort of know my reputation know how I think because they've read the book or they're following along on the blog or podcast. And the conversation, the sort of initial in- entry usually is. Me going in and doing a presentation of 60 to 90 minutes, talking about the media landscape, showing them some statistics, showing them some of the things that are happening in their space, and where I think the provocations and small wins slash opportunities are. From there, uh, you know, we go right into strategy. And I think that that's the real thing, because I think a lot of people are thinking I'm going to say something like, you know, you get them on Twitter, you get them on Facebook, you get them playing with stuff, and that's absolutely not the answer. Uh, All too often when we're called in to discuss social media, it's because somebody somewhere in the organization said, what are we doing on Facebook, and what are we doing on Twitter, and what are we doing on YouTube? And I believe that fundamentally to be the wrong question any business should ask, whether it's small, medium, or large. I think the questions that need to be asked start with the word why. Yes. Why, should, why should I be on Facebook? Why should I be on Twitter? Why should I do a podcast? The reason is because what as a question is a tactic. It just leads you to a tactic. Why leads you to the strategy? What is the strategy of this and how does it tie into the business and really the ROI and where the money is? And what we found in, in working on the strategic part of it first before we get into development, deployment, content development, marketing, etc. cetera is that we get to the core of the business and we understand who they are, how they're trying to communicate with their consumers, why consumers love them, why they themselves are engaged in the industry they're engaged with, what their numbers mean, what sales really means, uh, customer care, et cetera, et cetera, and we can define from that tactical ways in which we could tie into the strategy. So uh, we don't go anywhere without the why, and the reason I sort of stop there, like full period stop, is because I'm hesitant to say a company should do this, a company should do that. I don't necessarily believe that's true. The case or the right thing to do as a blanket statement.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And, and it, it, it's amazing to me how pe- many people come to me and they say, Cliff, I, I need to get you get you to help teach me how to do a podcast because I don't know what I'm going to do a podcast about. I just know I need to do one. And I'm like, but why? You know, why do you need to do one? What is your end result? What is your goal? What is your purpose for this? And, and it's amazing how many people just feel like, man, this, this is just a, such a wonderful way to communicate. I, w- I just want to get out there. I just want to do it. And that's not always the best thing to just jump into.
2: And that all being said, I think there's merit in that experimental type, not sure, let me see, because I believe that engaging at that level enables a person to discover their voice and the pulse of content and the credibility of it and see what the marketplace says or doesn't say about it. So I'm not adverse to that uh, so much as I am uh, having an understanding of, of, of the bigger picture, because... I think you can do that when you are a smaller shop. I think it's hard to do when you're a bigger company. That's why the strategy for me comes first at the big level. When you're a small medium player, I do. I think you can take some different types of risks.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you, uh, and these are Andy's questions here. He's got some very good questions. First of all, what are the three what are three web based tools that you use that you, you basically you you couldn't do without?
2: It would have been different had you asked me this in in, in early December, I, I I recently switched over to an iPhone 3GS and that's, you know, I feel like I'm running around the world telling people, you got to try an ATM, it's unbelievable because it's so after the fact, you know. Um, but uh, for, for me, my, my iPhone in general has, has lately been the, the one that I, I just simply can't imagine now someone took it away, just the connectivity, the access to information, social tools and stuff like that. So that would be one area. Uh, the two others for me are, are, are probably, I think there's three, I guess would be Google Reader, uh, just in terms of, not, not, not for reading blogs or getting news. It's the aggregation aspect of it like i use google reader to siphon everything into it. it's literally my catch-all for for everything from alerts to other feeds and stuff like that so for me centralizing one place and being organized can be very clean and healthy feeling in the morning uh so so i would say google reader i think google alerts still provides a level of, of goodness i have to say again since i would think about november it's been failing a lot i'm definitely not finding a lot of great stuff in there they tweaked it and it's just weird and wonky now, so that's a little disappointing, I hope we'll go back to fixing that. And the third sort of, I guess, littler one, if you don't want to accept the iPhone as one, would be Twitter search. I think that, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's got a great book out called Crush It, and does a video podcast called Wine Library TV, um, who's given a presentation, and he said a lot of people think Twitter's about talking, and really what Twitter's about is about listening. I think it's such a great, great, great true line. Uh, Twitter search and you to, to listen to all these conversations and filter and and search and I, I just find it so truly amazing.
0: I I would agree with you I, and I use Twitter search more than any other service out there. It is it is amazing to see what you can find, uh, what people are saying about you. Google Alerts. I'm glad you bring that up because it's something that I haven't really thought about more. I haven't really played around with Google Alerts and i'd say over about six or seven months now because i was getting a lot of those come in and and i kind of i set a gmail filter i need to go in and take a look and see what's been filtered through and what's coming in but you're saying it's a little wonky these days so so it's it's not giving you the results that you're used to seeing then
2: he used to do really like real time this just happened stuff and i find lately there's a lot of old stuff in there and regurgitated stuff and then i'll go over to you know google blog search or ice rocket as a, as a sort of secondary one technorati has been broken for so long i don't think i go there anymore and it's sort of disappointing to see some results that didn't show up in my alerts be in these in, in these searches and so uh, they're clearly playing with the algorithm and hopefully they will get adjusted soon but in the meantime it's been uh it's been challenging. I wish there was a great tool for that, and, and, and I, I guess that, that proves the case that, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, all of us are going to have to move to move to more paid services, whether they're Radiant 6 or Sysmos, because I just think, you know, it's, to get the information you need, it's, it's worth paying
1: for. Hey, Mitch, this is Andy again. Um, you know, I, I wanted to know because, obviously, you said you have, you have 100 employees and three other three or four other partners in your business. Uh, is it... Be, did that happen? You know, uh, over you've been in business for ten years. So then it happened gradually. Did it explode recently? I mean, tell us just about that growth because I know there's other people that maybe start off on their own and they love to have, you know, they love to grow where you where you've grown to. So how do, how did you grow in that way?
2: The company actually started in 2000. That's when Twist Image was founded, but I wasn't here at the time. It was two of my uh, business partners. Now we're four total right now. Uh, and that and i joined in about late 2002 the company was in debt we didn't have any employees and it was that moment we sort of sitting together and talking where i realized we had the model for what my vision was and my vision was really to bring the internet back to marketing uh it, it, at that time frame if you can frame yourself back those, those eight years or whatever it was a lot of the infrastructure of being built around online marketing was handed over to the IT department in most companies. And I felt that that was a huge misnomer. It would be like going to the United States Postal Service and asking them to design your direct mail package. You know, there's, they can deliver it, maybe even print it, but I mean, the strategy and what it is, that's really a marketing initiative. And so the dream was to create an agency where we could bring technology into the marketing, the marketing to the technology, Let marketing people not be afraid of technology, Let the technology people know we need them to build these marketing initiatives. And that was the sort of dream core of the company. And so, you know, here we sit in late 2002 with no employees in a very small office. And, you know, we want to be a digital marketing agency or just an agency in general, and we're calling all this sort of pubs, you know, ad age, marketing magazine strategy, no one wants to talk to us, no one cares because we have no employees or clients who, you know, how is that newsworthy, right? And, you know, these platforms are they blogging and stuff like that, I love to write. It's my passion. We talked about it earlier. So I started the blog six pixels of separation at the time. It was just called the twist image blog. And I just figured, you know, here's a platform for me to share my words and we can talk about it in our save files and let people know in our voicemail and in our business cards, we have this blog and it's a place where we're talking about, you know, marketing and new marketing and how it's going to evolve. And, you know, it really was the catalyst for everything. It's funny when people talk about the book six pixels of separation, they think it's like another marketing guy talking to them about how to market their business. And it's not. The real thing of the book was this is what these are the channels I use to go from no employees and then being in debt to having a multi million dollar, multi office business. And it's just, I'm not trying to brag or promote and look at me. It's not about that. It's about the fact that people say all the time is there ROI in this? And I can tell you, I can point to this blog and tell you book deal, speaking, the growth of the company, the clients we work with, the visibility of the brands we manage, all because of one little thing and it's called the blog and the extension of the blog obviously being the podcast and Facebook and Twitter and all that. And so essentially the book became the roadmap for how any business could engage, open up and understand the strategy behind it and even some tips on how to do it and and to push it forward. And so what I wanted to do is, 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 is use a book as a tool for which people could do what I did. So I'm answering your, your, your question a circular way, all that to say, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did this. And, and you know, I would love to sit here and say, I'm really smart. I don't think I'm all that smart. Um, I think I used the channels and work the channels because I care and I'm really passionate and I love this stuff. And because I'm like that, it attracts people who like that. And so this isn't a game, it's not a facade. I don't leave here at 5.30 and go, um, you know. Okay. Well, I'm done marketing for the day. I think about this stuff a lot. You guys have been following the blog, and you know, you'll see posts at 11:30 at night. You'll see posts at four in the morning. Um, it, it's one am. It's what I do. And so, thankfully, these technologies give me a platform to express that. And thankfully, there are people like me out there that I can connect to. And so that helps me grow business.
0: That to me is exactly my my experience as well. You know, I read Gary Vaynerchuk's book Crush It. and Uh, and, and everything he said in his book is pretty much an example of, of what I've experienced. You know, I'm one of those guys who started out, I I had a passion, an unquenchable passion for podcasting and new media and I am building community. And it was something that I was doing, you know, for free. And as I was a hobby, there was no monetization desire for me. I was, I was a fully employed, successful insurance agent. And so uh, for me, it was just about building relationships and just being out there. and, it, and I, like you, I was just sharing my passion whenever whenever it struck me. and and that connect I connected in relationship with other people who were who were inspired by that passion and, and who shared those same passions. And that's how I saw, the eventual, you know, a business model growing around my passion. And people said, you know what? If you were to quit your job and do this full time, there are lots of things you could offer that I would buy from you.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the blog has thankfully become very popular since 2000, and I think four is when I started blogging. I'm not sure I have to go back. Yeah, 2004. And um, as popular as it's been, I think it'd be a lot more popular, obviously, based off the landscape and who's out there, but. It, it's, it's fascinating to think that you couldn't really do this before. You couldn't have that thought and then put it out in text images, audio, video, and just immediately publish it to the world. That's a game changer, and that changes all the rules. And, and from my side also, um, my voice couldn't be silenced anyways. I was, I, again, going back to being a writer, when, when I was struggling to find music magazines to take all the great artists that I've interviewed to, to publish, I started publishing my own magazine this was you know pre-internet that's an expensive endeavor you got know, advertisers and printers and collateral and stuff like that so when this stuff came out i was like this is a no this is just easy no brainer easy to do the hard part of it is you have to be a writer you know in, in, in terms of blogging in terms of you know audio you have to love this sort of podcasting stuff in terms of video you got to be really skilled at editing video and doing something, you know, so you, you have to bring certain skill sets to it. And that's the second sort of big thing that I think a lot of people forget about is you were talking earlier about people saying, you know, I got you on Twitter. I got you on Facebook, I got you on, on login. If you're not good inherently at creating that type of content, it's going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And that's the other sort of strategic part that I think a lot of people don't talk about, especially in, in, even in our circles. It's like, you know, yeah, you should podcast, but if that person, doesn't actively have the audio communication skills to have a thought in their brain and say it to the world in a way that's interesting and engaging and keep people listening, um, it's a tough thing to do. And so when I look at all the blogs and people go, blogs don't work, I'm like, I'm surprised blogs work as well as they do. But I'm surprised there are this many successful blogs.
1: Mitch, and and your blog has been, and part of your blog is the content, obviously, but it's also very well-designed can you just give me like a, a, a ratio of, I mean, how important is the design and how important is the content? Can you give me a ratio? Is it 50-50 or because I just like looking at the thing and then I get to read it. You know what I'm saying? So how important is it that it's not just some default formatted blog? It's uh, huge
2: you know. Again, coming from the magazine publishing world and, and newspaper world prior to, to, to the web world and then still to this day you we we all know this you walk into this magazine store and there's a million men's health magazines but there's only two that really look good I mean how many tech magazines are there and how many of them look like wire how many business magazines are there and how many of them look like fast company and so you know in, in the immortal words of Tom Peters, design matters, design has always mattered. Design of visual, design of text. And and so, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the comment and thank you, you spend a lot of effort in making it look great. I think it's a huge part. And you know what? It, it's funny to me, it's such an easy thing too. Like I'm always shocked when I see blogs that have great content with lack of design. Because in my brain, I'm like, "Wow, if they put you know a couple thousand bucks into a better design. This would take them probably ten times further than where they're where they're at right now." And it's not—I don't think it's minimal. I think it—it's it, it, a lot. I think people are attracted by the look and feel of things. This is, by the way, why people have images in their blog posts because people like looking at pictures.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, so let me ask you. Um, Mitch, what what is it that you think um, people should be thinking about when it comes to the uh, the type of content that they should put online? If if they're going to go out, do you think that blogging is the way to go? I mean, or or do you think um, that there needs to be some kind of um, uh, they need to enter into all the spaces, all the fields? Do you think they should have a an account with every social networking service or, or should they strategically go where a target audience is um, YouTube versus Vimeo, uh, you know, blogging on their own WordPress or do they go to uh, some kind of free service? What do, what do you advise people to do there?
2: You know, it's a huge question. The answer is, unequivocally, it depends. And it goes back to what I said earlier, which is, depends on what the strategy is and what you're trying to do. I think for some people, you know, blogging makes perfect sense. I think, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that right now the web is still predominantly text-based too. So, obviously, if you want to be found in search engines and stuff, blogging is still a very good channel and platform to do that with. So you sort of can't diminish that as a power. But if you're not into writing and if you don't think you can pulse out content in a consistent, cohesive, and, and compelling way, so what if I say blogging is important? You know, if I tell you, listen, Twitter is a very important tool, but you really are at a loss for what to say and how you're going to connect and being able to respond back to people, it's probably the wrong thing to do. And so for me, it really does boil back to the strategy. It boils down to the types of content you're prepared and comfortable creating. It boils down to also an editorial calendar, What how often and how frequently will you pulse out content and, and what's your consistency your ratio and how's that going to work out? And then, you know, the free or paid services, again, depends on what you're trying to do. It's funny, one of the stories I tell in the book, and it, it actually, I think it's a really good story because it's quite indicative of the sort of predicament a lot of businesses find themselves in, is I said the board of directors of the Canadian Marketing Association, at the time, I was on their digital marketing council, not on the board. And, of course, blogging was very, very popular. Oh, you know, we should have a blog, a blog you know, in marketing and how it's going and where we're at. And, you know, I sort of sit, sat in a lot of those meetings during that time period and rolled my eyes and thought, you know, another blog. And Who's going to do the writing? Who's going to do all this stuff? Because, again, it was it was the, you know, what are we doing on blogging versus the why should we be blogging? And so my, my comment was, and I think this is tying into the idea of the great free tools, was, well, let's do it on Blogger, which was, you know, owned by Google now. But In fact, there's a free blogging platform because you can do it for free. It can be up in 15 minutes. And what, I was actually being provocative when I said it because I was like, well, actually, what I was doing was I was on my laptop and I set up them up on a Blogger account as they were saying it. I said, you want a blog here? It's live. Now go fill it. That was my challenge to them, right? You want a blog? Well, now you have a Maybe marketing blog. Go and fill it. And so it was then incumbent on them to find the bloggers and to comment and to pass along and share it. And, you know, they actually did grow it and they were consistent. They stayed with it, which was really cool. So a lot of people don't and got it to the point within a couple of months where we looked at the traffic and everything that was going on. We said, you know what? It's time to transfer this over to a better design. And you can look at it because we did what we did. It was a great design and it's a very healthy blog, good platform. And now they have their own real space. But it was a low barrier, quick, free solution that I was actually doing more as a threat slash let's see, and they were able to convert into a real platform themselves, which is amazing.
1: Mitch, I think a great example of what you said about don't just do it to do it, you have to do it because you have a large reason, is that Seth Godin doesn't tweet. He doesn't doesn't care about Twitter. He doesn't have to because he's really good at their mediums, you know? So, well, I don't know.
2: I think, right. I think, but it could be that, that, and I don't know. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm thankful I can call Seth, I think the friend I would say is sort of friendly. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I, it might be that Seth is, you know, my blogs are short and pithy enough that, that I'm going to say my piece there, uh, but I'm going to use Twitter as a listening tool, see what people are saying. I mean, who knows? I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I I didn't know that you know i I went to uh, twitter.com slash Seth Godin and I do see here it says Seth is not active on Twitter this is his placeholder and it links to a squiddoo page where it talks to him, you know it links back to some information about him and I and, and I wonder I mean obviously I, I guess it could be a part of the strategy um, to to not use it and to, to just use it to link back but man I, I I, I I think, man, what what an opportunity that may be missed here. I I know that I there I, I would actually use Twitter to follow somebody more than I would than I would be actually willing to put them into my Google Reader.
2: But it's a frame, it's a framing, and so like uh, Seth Godin and and Tom Peters and Dan Pink and all these guys that I love dearly, and I just can't wait for their content. Like, I'm always like, don't Cliff, don't screw this up for us. Because right now we're in a position where prior to blogging, we'd have to wait two, sometimes three years to hear anything from these people. You have to wait for them to write a book and edit it and publish. So suddenly Seth starts blogging and every day he's giving you content. And on top of that, guess what? It's free. Yeah let's all shut up and not say anything and just smile and be happy about it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah because it's like that's how i feel i feel like i'm getting away with something like they keep giving me this great content that inspires me keeps me and makes me want to do more and i don't want to botch up so whenever those conversations about you know why doesn't he do this or why doesn't he take do that and, and why is he you not know, i'm always like you know it's framing like if this is way better than waiting two years for a book, this is great content. If he feels like he wants to spend his time nurturing his craft of writing, which is something he does amazingly well, better than any of them, all of us combined, then let yeah. that be the, the thing. And, and maybe he feels like Twitter for him in terms of tweeting, isn't the forum by which he is best at expressing who he is. And then like brands, whether it's a Seth Godin, a small medium-sized business or a huge company, I embrace that. Like, I love the fact that they're able to self-identify what platforms will be best for communicating. Now, I hear you on the other side, Cliff, where you're, like, raving fanboy like me saying more, more, more. But we're getting lots, lots, lots. And, like, I'm always like, let's not screw it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, and 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 so being that there's multiple different uses, I mean, just there are some people on twitter who understand that there are different methods and and i guess maybe and and it could be a personal choice and 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 if, and if this is the choice then i totally stand by it is that it's like listen i i look at twitter and i've i've evaluated it i see its value but the the real value value there is entering into the conversation and i don't want to create account an account that simply is just another rss feed linking back to my website and if that's the case then i i agree with that but you know, maybe, you know, just as a strategy, you know, you know, twitter.com slash Seth's blog or something, or somebody, maybe somebody can create that, you know, I'm sure even a friend (laughs) could create it, but I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I obviously, you know, he does have an amazing blog and, and I mean, content that honestly, many of us would be willing to pay for with the amount of inspiration that it provides. And my hands, my hands being raised. yeah, So, so I, I agree. I mean, if he, if he's, if he's operating, you know, in in his greatest passion, doing what he's doing and we still get the blog and we can still go to it, we know how, we know where to find him. So absolutely. I I agree with you. So, um, Andy, what, what's your next question there?
1: Well, I wanted to ask Mitch, you you have, you've, you've built a a healthy company now and, and I hope your 2010 is exactly like your 2009 so you can get your wish. What advice would you give in order to get in the door with larger companies? Um, And I think sometimes people are are intimidated to even ask if they're interested. Are they drawn to you at this point or are you able to, you know, knock on their door and say, hey, this is what I do and you need me? Does Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, totally. So it's it's funny. I, on my podcast, Six Pixels of Separation, what I what I did to mix it up a couple of years, uh, a year back actually, was I was sort of not getting bored with it, but just wanted to change it up. And I do a little something called Media Hacks, where I bring in guys like Chris Brogan and Julian Smith, who wrote uh, Trust Agents Together, and Hugh McGuire, who's got this great startup called Book Oven, and he's just a great blogger, Julian Smith, Christopher S. Penn, CC um, uh, Chapman, we all sort of chat about what's going on in new media and the web and stuff like that and uh, at one point hugh mcguire was we were talking about blogging and the importance of blogging he had just one of those killer quotes where he said you shouldn't blog to be known you should blog to be knowable and i thought what an amazingly profound statement right like don't blog to be known blog to be knowable and and that's sort of the answer to your question which is by because I was blogging not to get known, but to be knowable, to sort of just put my thoughts out there and my words out there, which led to, uh, you know, being represented by a couple of major talent bureaus, which led to book deals and which led, leads to sort of all that stuff. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to hustle down the business that, yeah, I do get the calls from brands who are saying, you know, we, we, we understand we need to step up our digital marketing initiatives can we get together and talk about, you know, how we do that. The other side of my sort of quote-unquote quote, hustling from the business side is, is speaking. I do about 70 speaking events a year in all sorts of different groups and stuff, and it's a really good business development tool. You stand up in front of groups anywhere from 200 to 8,000 people, and you talk about the space, and you, know, you wave your hands, and you're excited. Because I'm a passionate guy, and it's real, and it's honest, and it's practical information, and hopefully you get a couple calls throughout the year. Being a digital agency, uh, we could handle more work for sure, but I mean, you can imagine getting four clients a year on top of what you already have is quite significant. So I always joke that uh, you know my mass my my mass target for my blog is four. need four chief marketing officers a year really care. You know? it's, a, it's a lot of blogging to do for for an audience of four, but it's worth it.
0: Well, let me ask. Well, oh, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, i just want to jump in, Myth, I just want to tell you
1: that that last comment about blogging for four people. That That is probably going to be my my largest takeaway. And, and what we do with Business Site Weekly is Cliff and I come up with people we want to talk to, and, and other people get to listen to the conversation. So uh, that takeaway right there of blogging for four people, I think there is just an intense amount of truth in that, is maybe you need to blog for 100 people instead of 100,000, because those 100 people could keep food on your table and many other tables for years to come. My so, favorite thank, thank you for that takeaway.
2: I appreciate it. My my favorite thing, when I get up and I say what is the biggest, trend?" when I speak to really big, big companies, I thought what is the biggest transition and what I'm about to talk about to the world that was or the world that is for me presently is the shift from how many to who. And it's usually a big slide with a question mark uh, with sort of a number sign and then a question mark. And, And what I say is the model most people think about when engaging online is still the traditional mass media model. It's if I pull my message out there, Everybody will see it, and then the small percentage of people who care will act on it. That's a traditional mass media mindset, right? You take an ad on TV, millions of Americans see it, and then 0.3% of them act on it, and that's my nut, that's my money, that's my conversion rate. And that's great in the traditional mass media, but the reason I love the interwebs and the reason I love social media and this whole thing is because it doesn't favor how many people you put your message in front of. What it does is it allows you to focus on who you're putting your message in front of. And so even when I launched the book, my strategy wasn't to get it in front of every single person. My strategy, especially online, was to focus on who online cares about business books. And I was able to find that who it is. And and listen, in that small amount of people, it's a nice little mass community. It's a good little market to to sell to. And I think that the, the people who are winning in, in the online channel i mean really really winning are the ones who aren't worried about getting their message in front of as many people as possible they're focusing every single day on who who cares who's asking who's interested in the industry that they serve and i talk about it a ton in the book because it always bears repeating and so you know say the audience of four which got you excited is just another way of saying that but you know we have to constantly remind ourselves of that because it's easy to forget it's easy you know for cliff to turn around and say listen we don't have you know there's only 200 listeners today or 2,000 listeners or 20,000. And it's like, what quantifies success in that number? If two of them turn into very loyal customers, clients, advocates, referrals, it's worth more than anything. The the biggest referral for the business of Twist Image has actually been the blog, and I would say from the blog, our involvement in community stuff. And so it's really one or two things. That's all I needed. I didn't need 50,000 things. I only needed two or three, and I, we tend to forget that. I don't know why, and I don't know why I fall into that trap. Is I sometimes look at my bloggers and I go, "How come, you know, uh, you know, Chris I'm mean, Chris? How come you have so many more followers than I have? My blog's better than yours, right?" It's like, who cares? What does that have to do with anything? He's running his business. I'm running my business. Both healthy, both growing. It's amazing how we get trapped in that.
0: Yes, absolutely. I have. Um, and, and, you know, I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on Business Tech Weekly. I have a lot of clients who call me to consult with them. They say, Cliff, I want to hire you because I've been blog, I've been podcasting now for 30 days. I've been blogging for six months. I've been blogging, blogging or podcasting for for uh, a year now. And I only have. And then they'll insert number here number of listeners and I want to take it to the next level and I'm like wait a second so that you just used a word that really concerns me you said I only have and I say to them I say let's let's just say that they've been podcasting for 6 months and they only have 100 subscribers to their extremely niche topic so what I say to them I say okay of those 100 people Can you please tell me the first and last name and one personal fact about them other than their email address? Can you tell me their first, last name, and a personal fact about at least 25 people of the 100 that actually give you and devote 45 minutes to 60 minutes a week, every week, for the last six months? And I say, if you, if you can give me the first and last name and you know what their wife's name is or what their kid's name are or what city and state they live in, what they do for a living, you do that for 25% of your audience, then give me a call. We'll set up a consulting time and I'll tell you how you can grow your audience. Now, the truth is, is if you go out and do that, you get, if you actually get that information and you get it for the right reason, you won't need to call me back.
2: Uh, it's... You
0: know, like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> bowing, I'm bowing and saying amen, yes. <laughs> so so let me ask you, um, Mitch, Is you, you mentioned, you know, instead of just saying, I need to get out here and do this, I need to get out there and do this. Let's just say somebody comes to you and says, I have a business. I have a passion that my business is revolving around. I know there's a community of people out there who are interested in what I have to offer to the community. Um And, and I, and I want to start podcasting, but I don't know why I want to start podcasting and I have no strategy. Can you give me an example of anybody you know, that's gone, come into this with that attitude, but you have seen either helped them personally, or you've seen them develop a strategy. So, so taking somebody who has no strategy and, and then developed a strategy. Have you ever seen one of those that you can share with us something that you've gotten excited to see?
2: And I don't know if it's specific to sort of there, – there are sort of two or three brains that are on my mind when you ask that question. But I, I don't want to go there, not because I don't want to sort of highlight them or their success or what they had, had. Again, because I'm worried it's going to fall into the trap of the numbers game because, like, oh, they went from nothing to 12,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, I think what's more important is is the why. And so why did this happen? Why did this happen? It happened because, one – uh, these people care deeply, Yeah. but they really, really wanted to make whatever it was they're doing very, very successful. And so they put in the time, effort, energy, and all that sort of stuff. But something else happened that I think strategically is something that I've seen many times. It's something that I advocate. It's something that I do. And it's also something that I, I really I recommend highly. Make. I do. I go in depth in the book about this, too. Is, is, um, and it's actually it's funny enough that I'm thinking about this now. It's actually my New Year's resolution for this year that I've about. And I call it being there. Um, and the reason I say being there is because I think more often than not when we do this stuff, we're only here. We're on our own spaces. where I'm on my blog, I'm on my Facebook, I'm on my Twitter, trying to build value and audience and energy and excitement. And I think what we forget is you need to be there. You need to have other people's spaces in their spaces connecting and building so that people come back to you and it creates that funnel. And it's sort of like one of those things that I think we've lost in the great explosion of all this, of all this but the ones who do it, do it great. And so what is this sort of um, sort of consistent technique that works well is look, let's take marketing as an example. It's a space I know. If I, were, if I didn't have six pixels of separation, but I was adamant that I want to blog and get this thing started in 2009, what would I do? I would identify the top 10, 15 marketing blogs out there and become as active as possible in those environments as possible. So that anybody who would click on my name after I said something so gorgeous and brilliant in their space would find, you know, a a, a right trough of great additional information, my own blog posts or whatever they might be, and I think that that art form is totally lost. The the art of of a big uh, small no name people going on into other blogs and really engaging and adding value and adding perspective and color. I'm not talking about slamming, trolling, bashing, complimenting. Adding value is a huge. Technique, tactic, strategy that I see very, very few people employing. The ones that have done it have become tremendously successful very, very fast. You know, even you can look at something like a Jeremiah O'Yang, who's a tremendously successful uh, blogger, but if he came in really late in the game, if he made his mark by being very present in other people's spaces.
0: I love that. I love that. I, I have a personal ex- example and something that just happened this week, I, I'm not allowed yet. I, it's not that I'm allowed. I'm choosing not to share uh, who my latest client is. But uh, the the strategy of what you're talking about uh, is exactly what just landed me, which I what what I believe will be the biggest client um, that I've had to date, and will lead me to uh, the biggest windfall in my business, uh, that I could have ever dreamed happening. It, it was, it was actually, it was one of those, if you ever get into business and you say, man, what, what's one thing you'd love to accomplish in your business and you have a dream. And th- this was one of those dreams where they say, you know what, even if you don't think it's ever possible, this is a dream you want to put out there and you just want to throw it out there. I had one of those dreams and I just landed my dream client. And I, it's it happens specifically by what you're talking about. You know, I I, and I have my podcast answer man. I have my blog. I have my spaces. But I I know somebody that has a community, and I went into that community and I offered. I create. You know, they have a Ning site. So I went in and created a podcasting and new media. Uh, a group there in their community offering to give my services for free, answering uh, questions and, and being a resource and and looking for ways that I can help add into their community. And before I knew it, my name starts getting spread throughout the community and that person has recently hired me and it, it's just been a blessing. Amazing, so Andy, what do you got next, man? Well, Mitch, I'd love
1: to know um, because everyone's always predict the future and, and it's not if like you're too interested in making anything new. Um, what are you going to continue to do this year that has brought you a lot of success? So specifically, is it, you know, just stick with the blog? I mean, what, what are you excited about continuing to do?
2: If there are a lot, I mean, so yeah, I mean, obviously it's sort of, um, you know, be active and present and sort of keep at what, what, what I'm doing. But, but I think on top of that, my the, the sort of tr- transitions that, that I see are more, I don't want to say more towards mobile, because I don't really think that's what's going on. I think it's more towards the digital thing. I just think we are untethering more and more from the physical wires and desktops and things like that and going to computers in our hands. And so for me, my my eyes and ears and, and actions will very much be set on you know, how the consumer is going to shift and change in this world. And yeah, you know, I've already seen a lot of it, and I think it's enough indications for me that that's where things need to be. So you'll, you'll see the content and context shifting away from us going someplace to a world where it's everywhere. And one, one of my sort of bench, benchmark thoughts of last year that I'm going to really push this year was, you know, people would say to me, when do you think the Internet will surpass usage of, of TV and stuff like that? And Although I think it's a fair question in terms of a media perspective, I think it's the wrong one. And my, my sort of thought has been around benchmarking the internet around against electricity and the persistence and pervasiveness of it at that level, and what that's gonna to mean to a media channel when you have that. And so that's really where where my headspace is going in terms of all of that stuff.
1: I noticed that it's big stuff, Mitch. <laughs> Sorry, I'll I didn't catch that. Say that again, well, That's Andy. big stuff. It's, it's, I said that's hard to get your head around. That's so big. So, yeah, it's, it, to watch shifts happen. It's hard to watch you know, um, things that we thought were so revolutionary. It, everything's turning over so much faster uh, that it's just fun to watch. It's just fun to watch things explode from to 300 million, you know? And it's exciting to be a part of that. Um, that that revolution, you know? It's going to be interesting times, for sure. Hey, Mitch, I want to just sincerely thank you for, um, and this is my response, this is how this interview happened, is because I thanked Mitch for some free bonuses he was sent. And I sent him an email, and what do you know, he emailed me back. And that's the beauty of what Mitch preaches and what Mitch lives is that uh, the boundaries between big guy and small guy, don't really exist anymore um and and mitch i just want to thank you for living out what you teach others to do which is to connect with your audience in a very authentic way and we thank you for your time today and i wish you um an even more successful for you and and twist image and so if if people want to know more about mitch twistimage.com slash blog is amazon right now and buy the book six pixels of separation um it's a really easy read, uh, and it will really, uh, it'll really, you learn a lot. I don't care how experienced you are with social media, you, you, you will learn a lot from reading that books. Thanks, Mitch, for your time.
2: I really appreciate that. I Appreciate your kind words, and I, I hope everyone has a great 2010. And, and sincerely, stay connected. Please feel free to reach out to me, and uh, let's stay connected.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Mitch. I, it, it's a pleasure to get to talk with you finally, and I know we've. Run around in a lot of the same circles. So it's good to finally talk with you, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody, that is going to wrap it up for the this episode of Business Tech Weekly. We want to again say uh, check out Mitch Joel's blog over at twistimage.com. Slash blog, you definitely want to check out his blog. It is a lot of wonderful insight out there. In fact, uh, I can't wait to, to get in and see what his thoughts are as about uh, regarding what the Google phone is really all about. Uh, he's he's always looking at things and and t- taking a look at these trends and really helping us to see what's going on in the area of digital marketing. And so, if you are interested in marketing your business. Uh it is it is a blog like just like Seth Godin when he puts out a blog out there it, it, it's it's free content folks and it's and it's very inspiring very encouraging also check out his book 6 pixels of separation if you want to I've got an affiliate link you can you can use it if you want to gspn.tv/6pixels 6 is spelled out s i x pixels Uh, Again, that's gspn.tv slash sixpixels or you could just pick it up in any other store out there. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Andy, I think you told me if you're still on there, Andy, didn't you say that it's it's in the top 10 of how many categories? It's in the top 50, but still we're talking about amazon.com,
1: but top 50 of three different businesses, uh, business categories. So it's just a book that relates to so many different businesses that uh, if you have a business, if you're in business, if you can breathe, uh, by the book
0: absolutely so and of course that goes for everybody listening to Business Tech Weekly and Andy I understand that you're in Colorado what are you doing in Colorado man I'm
1: speaking at a free agent academy event and uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be hanging out with my my business coach Justin Savage And uh, he's at GSPN plus member 330 something and uh, we're, we're out here um, working with some other solopreneurs
0: that is awesome well you guys have a great time and enjoy the time away you guys hitting hit by snow there did you get through it all no
1: it's beautiful here beautiful here so we're 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 in good shape
0: awesome man well we will talk to everybody next week um do we have a topic picked out for next week yet
1: we've got we always have topics uh in our back pocket we just don't know which one we're going to pull out yet so well yeah we'll see
0: yeah, it looks like we got all kinds of great stuff heading your way. You, you know what? I think I'd like to talk about that program you told me about, something that's helped me out in my business. Saved me, oh, approximately eight or $900 over the last month. It's a certain check, check writing program.
1: Oh, yes, that my business coach told me about. So, yeah, we keep passing on that love. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Maybe we can talk about workflows a little bit about how to how to cut your workflow down. So you don't have so many interactions with clients who can close that deal quicker and save some money doing it.
0: All right. So workflows and check, check writing software. How's that?
1: Yeah. How about how to get paid?
0: How, how to get paid. (laughs) Awesome stuff. All right, everybody, we will be back next week. And, uh, thank you very much for tuning in until next time, everybody join the community.